so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome back to another episode of Weekly Tech, a technology and ethics podcast focused on navigating this digital age with wisdom. Weekly Tech is a project of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and I'm your host, Jason Thacker. As always, alongside this podcast, we also have the Weekly Tech newsletter that you can sign up to receive each Monday morning, which is designed to help you think deeply about the pressing technology issues of the day and also to stay up to date on the latest technology news. You can subscribe now at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. In this episode, I'm joined by my friend Ben Mandrell, who's the president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources. And we talk about changes to the ministry and publishing in the digital age. Ben came to Lifeway from his role as a lead pastor of Storyline Fellowship in Colorado. He's a graduate of Anderson University, as well as the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he earned a Master of Divinity degree. He also holds a doctorate in ministry from Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. Ben and his wife, Lindley, have been married for 18 years, and they have four children. And now let's join our conversation. Ben, thank you so much for joining us today on Weekly Tech. As we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became the president and CEO of Lifeway? Yeah, that's an unlikely story. Um, I never saw myself as the president and CEO of a denominational entity or a publishing house or anything like that. I just have mm-hmm. always really had a heart for pastoring. And uh, my wife and I, not long after we were married, started the pastoral ministry journey and, and got to pastor an incredible church in Jackson, Tennessee for 12 years we were there. And then God called us out to Denver, Colorado to plant a church. And in the midst of all that craziness of planting a church and getting moved into a building and enjoying a season of prosperity, God interrupted our lives. And uh, just like him to do that, he steps in and says, hey, I want you to go and lead Lifeway into the next season of ministry. And so here we are learning every day, enjoying the process, enjoying the team and, uh, you know, excited about the future. That's one of the things that I really love about your leadership and the way that you do lead Lifeway is you do it from a very pastoral perspective. And when you came to Lifeway, I guess just just about two years ago, um, you entered into leadership in a very unique time in Lifeway's history, uh, not only in the terms of the time you entered, but then all of a sudden we had this COVID-19 pandemic come upon us. Uh, there was people working remote. There was kind of an upending to a lot of business, especially the publishing industry. What are some of those major challenges that you guys experience as an organization and as a ministry um, in the midst of all of this kind of cultural upheaval in terms of the pandemic and the transitions that were already in motion in Lifeway about that time? Yeah, just pervasive discouragement. And that's one of the things that is not just true of Lifeway. It's been true of local church leaders. And it really is like as the church goes, so goes Lifeway because we serve the church. But There has been, as you know, over the last couple of years, just a lot to be discouraged about. And 
uh, I think we just need to embrace that. It's been a sad season. I, I, tell you, I say it this way, in, in Acts chapter 2, when Luke describes this beautiful moment in the local church, they were gathering in one another's homes, they were feasting on the apostles' teaching, they were you know, sharing with one another as, as they had need. It's just hard to imagine Luke adding a paragraph that says, and then there was this global pandemic that caused all of them to go home and not see each other at all. And it was a prosperous time for the church. I don't think Luke would have said that. I would have th- I think he would have said, and it was absolutely disruptive and depressing to the church because we gather strength from being with one another. And it's been a couple of years here of trying to rally the troops and get people encouraged again. But I feel like we're coming out of it. I really feel like there's a lot of optimism in the air right now. Yeah, I think there is. And you see that not only in I've seen kind of social media posts about you guys gathering together for chapel again. Um, and But there have also been the transitions with the building and different things like that. And we've seen a lot of kind of transitions specifically in the publishing industry. I mean, I know as an author, I released a book about a week before the pandemic hit. And then right after that, Amazon actually stopped shipping books. Uh, which was really great for me and the publisher. Uh, they completely stopped shipping books. You know, Amazon has 70 to 80% of the uh, worldwide book market share. And it was hard. There A lot of publishers went through downsizing, uh, closing down imprints. Uh, there was a lot of books that weren't being published and they weren't accepting new proposals and things. How has COVID affected the ministry at Lifeway and the way that publishers in general do ministry? Is there anything that you've seen that has been positive um, for your organization and for your employees? And what are some of those kind of negative areas or areas that have really caused you guys to go back to the drawing board to kind of rethink how you go about ministry? Yeah, great question. You know, I think it has massively changed the way we think about what we do, both internally and externally. So internally, uh, one of the advantages I did have coming to Lifeway is that I had moved from a mega church to a church plant. So I had gone from a season where space was everything and we had massive space and lots of buildings and property and all that. And then we moved into a church plant setting and we realized, holy cow, you can really do most of what the church does without space. It really is way overrated. And so meeting with people in coffee shops and having people over to your home and figuring out creative ways to meet up and whiteboard was a lot of the fun for church planting for us. And it felt a lot more organic and, and real and authentic. So when we as uh, Lifeway began looking at, okay, what is the future of work for us? Do we need this big tower in uh, this nice part of Nashville that really has tied up a lot of our capital that we could be using to fuel technology? Uh, it was a no-brainer for me. It was already a discussion that had begun before COVID, and that is, do we want to do we want to keep investing in buildings, or do we want to invest in the church? And so we were able to make that shift, and our team is now fully remote with uh, a focus on meeting up and gathering, but allowing people the flexibility to figure out how work work is going to work for them. And we're still figuring that out. We still are, we're making up all the rules as we go, but it's exci- it's an exciting time. So that's a huge internal change. We can pause and talk about that, or I can talk about external. Well, why don't we go in and talk about external? Because I think a lot of times when you talk about the nature of technology, it's tied into a lot of these issues. The, the, the ability to gather remote, whether it's through video conferencing or whiteboarding or honestly meeting in person in those coffee shops. I know I've met with a lot of your team members that we work closely with at the ERLC. Um, being able to do that in a local coffee shop or um, as not of, as of recently because of COVID. Um, but being able to do that, it's really freeing in many ways. What are some of the ways that you think kind of externally um, that 
COVID has really affected the way that we go about the nature of work? We just created a new mark for our organization, a new logo. And in there, there's a folded piece of paper and a pixel. And the reason we wanted to include both in our mark is that we think both are the future of the church. Discipleship is always going to involve paper. People like paper. They like having things you know, on their lap that they've drawn on and jotted on. And they sometimes uh, a low-tech approach to discipleship really is the best way. Having said that, there are a lot of ways that the church wants high-tech stuff and they want delivery platforms that are digital that LifeWay needs to take huge steps into the future. And we're getting there. We're now taking a lot of the money that we've tied up in stores or buildings and putting it into the customer's experience online, which is a huge opportunity for us. I know as one, I prefer paper and kind of print items in general, especially when it comes to books and resources and things like that. But yep. as you said, there's a lot of benefits uh, to digital technologies or even um, technologies like Bible software and being able to search massive libraries and be able to do research a lot quicker. I know that there's been a lot of technological advances that have been changing the nature of work and being in the the business field in that sense. And obviously, you're also in the ministry side in terms of LifeWay. It's kind of a – it's a nice kind of dual approach where you're in the business industry, but you're also doing ministry for the local church. What are some of the ways that technology has been able to help or inform your team, uh, keep you connected even as you kind of go into this season, this next season of being completely remote? Well, let's just talk about the, the pros and cons of the Zoom world or, you know, the, the online meeting. Uh, it has radically helped churches to embrace online training. One of the challenges we had is in pastoral ministry is trying to get volunteers together on a night and provide childcare and get everybody into a room to just say, hey, here's how it works on Sunday morning to check everybody into the kids ministry. Uh, that's been very difficult in the past because people are busy, there's sports, there's just uh, you know, I don't want to drive up there, but now the church is pretty used to using online training and that's here to stay. And there's going to be a lot of great advantages to come uh, in being able to train people through Zoom calls and video calls and things like that. The, the huge disadvantage, as you know, is, man, it's really hard to do conflict resolution by Zoom. And there's a lot of it when you work with people. There's a lot of it in Hopping on a Zoom call to, to hash out it, a, a disagreement is not the same thing as hopping into a coffee shop or a room. So where we need to have more intimate conversations, where we need to have more difficult conversations, video is not helping us. Technology is not helping us. And so we've got to continue to use these platforms in a way that they're designed to be used instead of trying to overuse them, in my opinion. Yeah, I think there's kind of a good parable on that is often we treat technology as a full replacement rather than something that can add on to the work that we're doing or enhance certain aspects. But there are other areas where you do need that kind of embodied and fleshed uh, soul where you're with one another face to face. I've noticed on Zoom specifically, you know, you hear about Zoom fatigue throughout the COVID-19 pandemic where people are just on. I know I have a friend and colleague who said he's just been on Zoom all day long, where it's meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, and you can really get drained by that. One of the little tricks, just for listeners' sake, you can actually hide your self-view. And I know it actually is really disorienting because we've grown so used to seeing ourselves on video. If turning off your self-view actually really helped me 
two ways. One, it revealed to me that I often look at myself <laughs> during these meetings rather than looking at the people that I'm trying to talk to and engage in conversation. So that help was helpful. It was also really revealing that I guess it made me a little narcissistic tendency that I'm always kind of examining and what's going on, what's happening behind me. And that's just not reality. That's not what happens in real-life conversations. But as you said, it's a way that churches and ministries and even businesses are going to start meeting, um, maybe not permanently. And that's one that I want to drill down a little bit because if your pastoral ministry experience— I met you, and or I don't know if we actually met, but I knew of you when you were at Inglewood in Jackson, Tennessee, and uh, the great work and ministry that you all were doing there before you went on uh, to Colorado. But as as listeners have already seen throughout this podcast so far, you have such a pastoral heart. You love the local church, and that's one of the things that I love about the leadership that you bring to Lifeway is that you care about local churches and pastors and ministry and equipping them, which is what Lifeway is all about. What are some of the ways that you've seen, as we've kind of alluded to already, some of the ways that technology might be abused or misused in the local church? And how does that have an effect on the way that we see people and do ministry in this digital age? Yeah, when we talk about the incarnation being the central thread of Christianity, that the word became flesh, there's something about that in-person flesh component of being a human being that makes us human. And so many people I know now have gotten so used to church online that, I mean, it's so convenient. It really is. I mean, I don't even have to get dressed. I don't have to do my hair. I don't have to brush my teeth. I can just keep drinking my coffee and catch the sermon. But I talked to a pastor today and his, he's struggling. He said, you know, it's really starting to bother me that I see these people on social media out at their ball games and hanging out at sports stuff. And uh, they're not having any problem going there, but they're not coming back to church. And I think one of the problems with technology is it does create, I think, relational laziness. Uh, We've seen it even at Lifeway a little bit. Now that we're trying to get back together in rooms, like people are resistant. They say, you know, can I just hop on Zoom? I don't have to drive all the way across town to have that meeting. And if, if you're not careful, you can find a good reason not to be in a room with people, which is not the way God made us. And so I think we've got to be really careful to, uh, to continue to emphasize the importance of physical gathering as it's safe to do, or technology is going to take that human component away. Yeah, I think you you said rightly early on is and that technology can enhance the way we do ministry, especially for more uh, teaching type things in terms of like training, like you were talking about with children's ministry volunteers or those type of things. But like community groups um, or the Sunday service, I know my family and listeners know a little bit about our backstory, but we've gone through a prolonged season of cancer treatments, uh, which have actually precluded us well before the pandemic of actually gathering with our local church in person because of my wife's uh, immunocompromised nature and the nature of germs. And then the pandemic hit and made it even worse. But we actually early on before the pandemic our church didn't have an online service or an online gathering. And so for us, we were watching last week's sermon as a way to fill our hearts and to kind of reorient our minds towards Christ. But we were doing it at a week delayed, and so we felt extremely disconnected. Then the pandemic happened. Our church launched an online service, our online gathering. And for us, we felt more connected But there's still something that we're missing and longing that we hope, you know, after all of this kind of goes by us and hopefully we're at the end of this season rather than the middle of it, 
Um, but for us, we long to be in person with one another. But I know, especially in a lot of ministry contexts, people are starting to question the use of virtual reality or augmented reality or continue to like rely upon these technologies. So for us, it was a way to enhance uh, the and be able to gather in some way or form or fashion. But we still long to be together with one another, sitting at home, sitting in the, the gathering together, especially communion. I know a lot of folks have been doing digital communion uh, with one another in churches, but for us, we we long to be in person and have that kind of incarnational ministry like you were talking about. I think one of the most important rooms in the church is the lobby. Mm. I think that's where relationships are really formed. And, you know, even on this call, Jason, like before we hit record, you and I were talking a little bit about stuff going on in your personal life. You know, if we were together, it would just have been even better. I would have looked you in the face and said, man, how's it really been going? You know, all the stuff you're going through at home and the challenges and your wife's sickness. I mean, we would have connected on a deeper level than simply by technology. Now this, this works and it's as best we can do for today, but I think there is that greater connection that comes by being together. And that's what I hope the church will embrace. What are ways that you see technology kind of shaping kind of the future of ministry in terms – I know a lot of times people talk about the missional value of being able to connect with missionaries or train missionaries or encourage them or for missionaries to be able to be involved in maybe certain closed countries uh, through the use of technology. What are ways that you're seeing uh, from a pastoral perspective but even from a, a business perspective at Lifeway of the way that the church can really embrace a lot of these tools uh, to further her mission? Yeah, a guiding verse for me and just even being president of Lifeway is, is just the old proverb that says the right word at the right time is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Uh, I can tell you exactly where I was when certain resources were given to me. I remember the first time I saw a study Bible in a bookstore and I bought it for $18. I remember the first time I was walking down the beach listening to the audiobook of Surprised by Joy and feeling just completely consumed by C.S. Lewis's experience with his father. Uh, resources change lives. And one of the things that's great about the season at Lifeway is that there are a lot of different ways to deliver those resources now in a, in a more scalable way than ever. And so by providing resources digitally, even though it does challenge us, uh, we can spread out those resources so that, that those apples of gold and settings of silver are happening more often around the world and not just in concentrated places. And so, you know, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he said, you know, it's going to be really good for you that I go because when I go, I'm going to send the counselor and he's going to be everywhere. Uh, it's going to be a more widespread influence of the Holy Spirit. And I, I feel like if technology is used appropriately in our ministry, it gives us an opportunity to reach a lot more people than we could have. Well, and I know I really appreciate not only your leadership at Lifeway, but Lifeway as a whole, um, not just because of the partnerships we have or publishing opportunities that we have in partnerships, but the way that you all go about ministry, the way that you go about emphasizing the local church and equipping and resourcing the local church. I know I, for one, am very thankful for the resources that you all, you all put together. As we close our time together today, I always ask uh, those that I interview about some kind of follow-up resources. So what are one or two books maybe that you've been reading lately or that you're wanting to read that have been challenging you or encouraging you or kind of pushing you along? You know, one I just picked up recently because a friend of mine said, you should, you should check that out. It's uh, John Mark Comer's book, uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. 
And it's just really about, you know, he is a pastor in Portland and has come to some huge convictions about his lack of rest and uh, constantly being in a hurry. He's heavily impacted by Dallas Willard. And it's a challenging read. He, he has a lot of interesting ideas on how the culture of technology is uh, really affecting the rest in our souls. And because I deal with a lot of pastors who are stressed out and a lot of staff members and churches that are trying to find that place of soul rest, I thought, man, it's going to be an interesting read. So I picked that one up and uh, it's been fun to read. I'm also going back every, every quarter we have a theme at Lifeway, a spiritual theme to keep us connected to scripture. And this, this quarter we've chosen Ephesians six, Paul's description of the armor of God. And so I'm, I'm, I've picked back up the old screw tape letters uh, you know, the idea of that we have these invisible forces all around us that are affecting the way we think, the way we view the world. And I don't know that Lewis had any idea when he wrote that book why that he would become famous as the guy who was the expert on Satan. Uh, but it's interesting to go back and read that again after so many years of not reading it again. I always like to read, I don't know about your practice, but I always like to read an old book with a new book and try to make sure that I'm mixing the two. Yeah, I think that's a really good practice, especially for those who are in ministry, because often, especially in my field of study in terms of technology and ethics, I find some of the most illuminating and enlightening reads are actually very old. Um, That sounds funny, because you would think with technology, it's new, it's cutting edge, it's new innovations, and we should be pushing, and what are some of the new thoughts on it? But some of the most prescient figures are actually from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and maybe even into the 80s, but around that time, as you saw kind of a marked shift in the way that people talked about technology, and part of that was because it wasn't new and innovative anymore. It was just kind of part of daily life, and so you stopped analyzing it as deeply. Um, But some of my favorite authors, as as listeners know, because we've talked a lot about them on the podcast so far, uh, but some of my favorite authors are just older authors, and so I really, as you said, enjoy picking up some of those older books. Absolutely. I went back over uh, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer this year and hadn't read that in a decade. And I just read it with a completely different set of eyes than I did when I was 34, uh, now that I'm 44. And so, you know, if you look back at some of the greatest minds in church history, they didn't have large libraries. You know, they had 200 books, maybe 300 books. And I think sometimes we, we think that, you know, quantity is better than quality. Uh, so sometimes it's better to go back and read an old book again instead of picking up another one. That's that's kind of who I am, though. I like to try to um, try to make sure that I'm applying the things I'm learning and not just consuming more information. Yeah, as an author and as a budding author, it's something that it's kind of challenging because you do want to push people to, toward old things, um, encourage them to kind of pick up some of these classics. At the same time, you also want to sell books. Uh, you want to encourage and equip and kind of uh, help people think through a lot of the pressing issues of the day. And so I just want to say thank you so much, Ben, for joining us here on Weekly Tech. It's always fun to connect with you, even if it has to be digitally, um, so that we can connect, hear a little bit about what the Lord's doing in your life, what the Lord's doing at Lifeway and using you all. And I just want to say thank you for your ministry. Hey, man. Thank you so much, Jason. I look forward to hanging out with you soon when things fully open up here in the Nashville area and getting that cup of coffee we've been talking about. Yeah, let's do it. Well, from all of us here at Weekly Tech, I want to say thank you for listening. If you enjoy Weekly Tech, would you consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app? These reviews really help us to know how we're doing and also to share the word about Weekly Tech with others. As a reminder, you can connect with Ben and learn more about his work at Lifeway in the show notes, as well as the additional resources that he recommended at the end. 
You can also sign up to receive the Weekly Tech email briefing, which comes out each Monday morning. This resource is designed to prepare you to think deeply about the pressing technology issues of our day, as well as to stay up to date on the latest technology news. You can subscribe at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. Thank you, and I hope you have a great week. 